I'm Justin Bullard. And I'm Ricky Bullard. And we are definitely from the woods. All right, folks, tonight we're taking a little left turn. We have a podcast called From the Woods. And um, as you all know, I live in Northeast Florida. Ricky's not with us tonight. I live in Northeast Florida, and, and in that, we have a great saltwater fishery nearby. So I know some of my listeners are from Florida or up the East Coast, up North Carolina, Virginia. I know you guys fish also. So we're going to do a couple of these episodes where we go off topic. We're not going to, you know, right now we're coming up on turkey season, but there's a lot of good information about fishing out there. And I know a lot of great captains. So today we're going to do an episode based around offshore Jacksonville, offshore Mayport. Um, some of the terms I may not get right. Some of the, you know, the sayings I may not get right. But I got on two guys tonight that will absolutely know everything about what we need to ask them. So uh, first of all, I have Mr. Rob Widows. Hey, guys. How y'all doing tonight? Rob is the captain of the Hannah Bell. It's a great boat out of Mayport. And we have Mr. Timothy Altman. And he's also known as the mayor, I hear. So, Mr. Timothy, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? We'll just uh, call you Tim. Are you good with that? I'm good with that. Or the mayor or whatever you like. Just call me Tim. <laughs> just like you do when we're fishing together. So. <laughs> yeah, I'll let y'all in, folks. Um, my small bit of offshore knowledge almost exclusively comes from either Rob or Tim here. Um, so I've, I am very good friends with these people, but the knowledge they have is completely different to anything I have. So that's why I'm having them on. They specialize in a certain way of fishing offshore that's mostly wintertime, and it's called high-speed trolling. And I didn't know about it until about six or seven years ago. And apparently it's the cult-following side of the sport of offshore fishing a lot like turkey hunting is to the hunting hunting community um it seems like the guys that are really really good fishermen all wahoo fish personally i love dolphin mahi fishing dolphin fishing and both these guys have taken me it's easier you're going to catch more fish but the guys that are really exceptional go do the hard stuff they do the stuff that's not 100 percent every time they do the stuff that takes more involved more more skill more strategy so we're going to get into some of that tonight but i guess um mr tim tell us where you're from how you got into fishing and i'm sure we'll have more questions for you later but just give us a basis of who you are uh i'm from uh alma georgia uh I grew up in Alma, Georgia, uh, and I'm from the trailer park. No, I'm just joking. Uh, we're, we, uh, we, uh, I grew up on a farm <laughs> in Alma, and uh, we, I lived there until uh, I joined the Navy uh, between there and uh, States World Georgia, and joined the Navy uh, back in 1981, saved the Navy from 1981 to 2009, retired from the Navy in 2009. We always fished no matter where we were at. Uh, me and the me and the boys have always fished uh, from where, where wherever we were stationed at. Uh, I mean, I fished. I even fished in Greece. So I didn't catch nothing when I was stationed in Greece after 9/11. Uh, but I didn't catch them. We always said the med was dead. All right, <laughs> but uh, we we fished all over the place. We fished every you know pier and bridge from uh, from you know from outside of Washington, D.C., where uh, I was stationed at, back in the 90s, so 
all the way down to uh, to Canaveral. Uh, but uh, got into offshore fishing uh, as a little kid before we moved to Georgia and became uh, poor dirt farmers. We lived in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And in Fort Lauderdale, uh, my dad had a boat and we would go fishing. Uh, but uh, he watched uh, Green Acres one too many times. And about, uh, I was about age eight, we moved to Georgia and pulled the boat to Georgia and to that farm and that boat never saw the water again. And I never saw the ocean again until I, I joined the Navy. So, and then I started offshore fishing uh, in the Navy. Uh, got, I think we got our first boat back in the late 90s and uh, started offshore fishing. Moved around, uh, you know, different kinds of offshore fishing. I'm pretty sure Rob has the same type of story. Rob, Rob fished as a, a young man too with his father. And uh, we started catching red snapper and uh, we grew from there, red snapper, kingfish. Then they closed red snapper on us. And when they closed red snapper, we went further offshore and started catching. I got kind of sucked into a Wahoo addiction back in the uh, late 2000s, in about 2006, 2007. And we started high speeding for Wahoo. I just wrote an article for uh, uh, Florida Sport Fishing Magazine uh, it's actually, I believe, in the January-February issue of how I got started uh, in that in that sport and who I got started with and how secretive it was and how clandestine it was. It was uh, pretty pretty awesome, and they wouldn't let an old Navy guy in there. But a caveat to that, folks, is uh, Mr. Tim is very humble, and he won't explain the fact that, from what I understand, the whole high speed thing was probably brought in heavy around here because of you and because of your name and people hearing what you're doing um we'll get we'll get to that in a minute um rob tell us what tell us about yourself oh gosh so unlike tim i'm what they refer to as a i'm a florida cracker i was born in florida i'm a florida <laughs> cracker um i've been offshore fishing now for 43 years um, I started fishing on a uh, little boats, uh, Dent McGee out of uh, Tommy uh, Jameson, uh, my uncle, um, Jimmy Gavin out of Mayport, all these old old timers back in the day. Um, when I was, I kind of grew up my teenage years in uh, Central Florida and fished out of uh, uh, Cape Canaveral and worked all the head boats and all the uh, sport fish boats out of there. And uh, that's where I got my real taste of uh, blue water fishing where I really desired to catch the uh the dolphin the sailfish the marlin um the the uh, ever elusive wahoo which we would actually really only catch one or two a summer down there um moved back up here and um was fortunate enough to uh marry a, a wonderful woman who actually is very supportive of my fishing habit mm. and likes to have a boat and uh, so I've continued the tradition and I was fortunate enough to uh, team up with uh, Tim a handful of years ago and uh, basically be a sponge and uh, learn the, uh, the Wahoo fishery. And he's kind of like you said, he's very humble and he's not given himself enough credit for kind of what they've done in pioneering uh, this type of fishery. Um, Pretty much all the boats that you see out now that are fishing and everything, they've taken notes and everything from these guys that have been there before them and figured out what did and didn't work. And, uh, you know, and I feel blessed to be a part of that, to go out there and have fun with it. And 
it's a good time. Uh, I, I do remember that you were sitting on the back of Tim's boat, uh, cranking on an 80 uh, with a nice big wahoo that unfortunately came unbuttoned a couple of years ago. You remember that? Oh, yeah. uh, for all our listeners that think they're a man, <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, that that ain't no bluegill or crappie on the end of the line. And, and if you think you're a brawny man, and, and I talk a lot and I'm <laughs> – yeah. I'm, I, I think I am. Well, they were all smiling. I was like, oh, no, that's your fish, buddy. You can <laughs> we'll get into it, but when, when a Wahoo hits when you're high-speed trolling, it's very violent and very fast. And and I guess they could tell when it hit, like, oh, no, buddy, we want you to catch one. I was like, man, these guys are swell. Well, I learned <laughs> soon what that meant. And, I, and I, First fish in my life, I don't think I could reel in all by myself i couldn't do it rob would you would you would you agree that anytime the term high speeds brought up within 100 miles of us or uh, even offshore wahoo fishing any person you talk to about that you agree they'd probably know the name tim altman <laughs> I, I i would say so yeah because like him casey smith Corey mayor all these all these different guys here in northeast florida the pioneers of it basically you know they they're the ones that figured out like i said what works and what didn't work and right. uh, to be honest with you they did all the hard work right <laughs> and steve grant steve grant was oh, the, yeah. the uh he was the epicenter of where we hung out at a a bait shop uh called cnh lures over on beach boulevard here in jacksonville and we would all go in there and we would go in there and we would say okay what's working what's not working and steve by selling us tackle you know, it, it was a win-win for him. He was learning and he was, he was, we were figuring out these problems together. Like, uh, what does it take? And, and, and just, uh, for you listeners to let you know what high speed Wahoo fishing is, it's, uh, trolling for Wahoo at about somewhere between 18 and 22 miles an hour. We don't get to 22 miles an hour on my boat because Rob starts yelling, you're going too fast. You're going too fast. Right. Yeah. Well, the mine's coming off the reels. <laughs> I, I was yelling. I was yelling. There's no way a fish on God's earth is going to catch this boat right now. There's yeah. no way a fish is going to catch this lure people. We're almost on plane. Like it's, yeah. it's think about that for a moment. 21 miles an hour trolling. It's nuts. Yeah. It's absolutely nuts. Tim, explain explain why you go so fast. Why we why we go so fast now? Well, the is, the, re, the reason we go fast is uh, you know the uh, we we go fast to it, it does two two things. You know, it triggers it triggers a bite uh, that is instinctual where these guys are these fish are coming along and they look and they say, "Well, I'm going to eat that. I'm just going to eat that." They they're not looking at analyzing whether it's a fish or not. Uh, they may be, they may be swimming that fast, but you know, it's a more of an in instinctive bite. And then you don't catch anything else but Wahoo at about 21 miles an hour. Uh, <laughs> you can catch, you can catch other stuff every now and then you can catch like, uh, you can catch dolphin at about 15 or 18, 15 to 16. Uh, you can yeah. catch amberjack at 16 miles an hour. You can catch, <laughs> king, you can catch kingfish. Um, but you don't, when you get up around 19, 18, 19, 20, the only thing you're really going to catch is, is Wahoo. Now that varies if you're in a turn and your lures slow down, they, they sink, they actually slow down because they're behind the boat. The dynamic of, of, of that vector allows you, to, uh, allows those 
big amberjack to come in there and eat that eat that lure while it's slowing down. So it's a there's a lot of different nuances of this. A lot of it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, all the uh, big sport fishermen that have the big boats. The uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna call any names. Uh, but you know, there there are some guys that are with the fire department. And uh, you know they 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 captain those big boats. I'm not their initials are Zach Alkire, all right. But uh, you know they they consider us knuckle draggers because it's it's kind of low tech and it's really not low tech. It's a uh, I always say that uh, how much money have you spent? Somebody says how much money have you spent wahoo fishing uh, since you began, specifically high speed wahoo fishing? And I say a house, a house. Yeah, that's realistic. Yeah. yeah, over 18, 19 years, uh, a house, more than likely. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was funny. We, we, you talk about the speed and everything. You talk about you know, your sweet spot on your boat's going to be at that 19 to 20, mm -hmm. where the sweet spot on my boat where it likes to ride perfect is that 17 to 18, you know, and 17 to 20 miles an hour, like you said, you're not going to catch your Barracuda. You're not going to catch all the other superfluous stuff that you don't want to catch. Mm -hmm. And in regards to the, you know, talking about Justin pulling on that reel, you know, the, the 80 wides that you use on your boat have 200 pound uh, braided line on them. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, Rob, describe what an 80 wide is for the folks that live in central Georgia and have never fished offshore. Also describe what a Wahoo is. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, well, we'll actually, we'll, we'll do the, the description of the Wahoo is, uh, it, it's very, re it resembles a kingfish, but it's actually, believe it or not, the genius is actually in the tuna family. Really? Um, if you actually meet, you look at the cut of meat and everything, it's basically, it's, a, it's like a clear tuna. Um, it, it actually, far down its uh, genomes and everything, it's actually related closer to the tuna than the mackerel family. And um, it has uh, some gorgeous stripes on it. Uh, the fastest fish in the ocean, and I want to say that our, the biggest fish that we've seen recently in the past few years in local tournaments, you know, these fish get uh, 125 to almost 130 pounds. Yeah, it was 126 uh, pounds last year. 126. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah, 126. A guy named uh, Jerry Moulton caught that last year. Yeah. Yeah. Fish. Oh, here, let me see. There. Oh, I don't know if you can word. see it. Okay, that looks like a tiger shark. <laughs> <laughs> On a tangent, how old is a fish like that? There you go. Uh, the, uh, for those that are listening, the fish he just held up is what six foot long, seven. Yeah, foot that long? fish right there was just that fish was a uh, five nine, five ten. I think okay. that guy. That guy's about five ten. I think. I don't okay. know how it, that fish weighed sixty four and a half pounds. It, it looked a lot bigger than it was. Uh, that the, great, the great story of ours, ours was the very first time we ever took Rob fishing with me, right? The very first time. And, you know, is it the first time we went fishing, Rob, or was it the first time we went yeah. walking fishing together? No, it was the first time, first time, I think it was, it was the first time on the boat. On the boat. We go out and we catch a 86, 88 pound Wahoo. And Rob was like, Rob gapped it and he, he pulled it in the boat. And I remember I, I leadered the fish up and, you know, uh, leadering the fish is uh, pulling on the leader and actually hand pulling the fish to the boat because there's a trolling lead involved. There's a whole bunch of dynamics, but that last 20 or 30 feet is you've got to hand line that fish to the boat. And Rob gapped this fish and pulled the boat. He said, thank you, man. Thank you, man, for letting me gap that fish, blah, blah, blah. And I, thank you for trusting me with that. And I'm like, I said to him, I said, 
That thing was a telephone pole. You couldn't miss it, man. It was huge. It was huge. So, so how, how old are those 100-pound fish? Those 100-pound fish, uh, theoretically, not as old as you would think. Uh, theoretically, these Wahoo can reach 45 pounds within 18 months. Okay? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so it's like a, the difference, you know, I, I, I learned yesterday that, uh, yellowfin tuna goes from 10 to 50 pounds in less than two years. Right. And that, you know, the, these fish grow very, very quickly. Wahoo are right up there with mahi, a 50 pound mahi sometimes is less than three years old. So, uh, yeah, not, they, they're not as old as you would think. I would. I don't know the dynamics of how old uh, they actually are, though. I'll get back to it. where are the where are the biggest wahoo found in the world? Is there a general uh, area or? Yeah, there's a there's a you know there's a place uh, called San Sal in the Bahamas. Uh, it's the San Salvador island, and there's a little gully there that, that goes through, and the ships. Uh, our our good friend Flynn Jarrett would pull barges to uh, Puerto Rico through there. But uh, they go out almost every day and they catch a hundred pound wahoo, and it has more. Uh, has less to do with the uh, the the how old the wahoo are, but how how the bait is prevalent and everything is the, the forage that they're they're eating there. You know, is there a specific water depth that y'all aim for when you go for them, or is that different and geographically too? For you mean here when we're fishing here, Justin? Yeah, yeah. We'll just use here off the coast of Mayport, off Florida. What's the yeah, depth? We're we're looking for we're looking for is uh, somewhere between uh, 105 feet to uh, 105 feet is pretty much as shallow as we go, um, but we're looking for 70 degree water and uh, or above uh, 70 degree water, and we're looking for uh, clear blue water because it really doesn't do a lot of good to pull lures. And if you've done any diving, you'll know that, that, you know, sometimes the water's murky at the top, but you go down 45 feet and it's really, you can't see the bottom and vice versa. Sometimes it's murky at the top, but very clear down there. And they just can't, if they can't see your lures, they have to hear them. And it's a little bit harder finding them, you know, and sometimes by the time you hit a zone, uh, a zone where they're hanging out uh, before they can find them, but we've caught fish in dirty cold water before and we caught big fish in dirty cold water before but the best the optimum conditions are around a moon and uh either a new moon or a full moon bigger fish around the full moon uh more fish around the the uh, new moon and uh clear water and usually between 70 degrees and 74 degrees you get above 74 degrees you slow down too much start getting a lot of barracuda yeah and you can catch them year round you can catch them absolutely year round, but our season here in the winter time is predicated because the cold water bumps up. The water inshore gets cold, and it bumps up against our, our warm Gulf Stream, uh, the outer edges of the Gulf Stream, and that forms an edge which holds all the nutrients in the water that all the little baby fish, uh, little the the little bait fish are eating, and then the pelagics coming in. You have some pelagics coming to eat them, and then you have other pelagics coming in to eat those. And that's where we're finding those fish that are usually around those edges of the temperature break, right? What is the chances that you and I, Rob, are wearing the same Palms snapper slapper shirt? Dude? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I'm wearing my snapper slapper shirt too here. Check it out. Uh, uh, a side uh, note for these fellas, they both host fishing tournaments also. 
So they're they're yeah. they're well involved. Yeah. So you yeah. know the uh, you and they and they hang in that area. And if you were going to relate that to hunting, right? Mm -hmm. um, you're going to relate it to when like when deer are on the move. You know, sure. when are deer on the move? What causes those deer to move? Um, you know these these different things, and uh, you know uh, we 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 catch a lot of fish in low light situations. Some of the better days I've ever caught fish, specifically wahoo. Uh, we caught wahoo on beautiful clear blue days. You've been on my boat, uh, and we we caught fish on beautiful clear clear blue days. But some of the better days for either kingfish or wahoo have been uh, because of the over the it'd be overcast low light situations they can't see they, they will, may not see the tackle in front of the lure that may get a refusal a wahoo will come in on the lure and then it'll it'll peel off sometimes these guys you pull the underwater cameras if you study those a lot you'll see them come in and then they'll do a refusal and they, there's there's a reason they're they're doing a refusal uh you know trying to figure that out is the key you know um so Rob, could you, um, I want to get into the origins of high speed and where it came from, but, but while you're on tackle, Rob, could you describe tackle to someone who's never like say the lead, the lure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the so, distance, the cost, because people would be, their minds are blown to know how much money is back behind that boat at any given time. I'll, I'll just make reference to say like, like one setup that we're going to use and, you know, we're using um, a Shimano Tiagra which is, you know, for the people who don't know, it's, it's the big gold reels and a 50 or an 80 pound class reel. And on those reels, we're packing them full of 120 to sometimes even on the big reels, uh, 200 pound braid and the neighborhood from a thousand to 2000 yards of line, depending on what, what pound you test you put on there. Uh, you couple that on a uh, straight or a bent butt rod. Um, and then that is connected to a, uh, a trolling lead. And the trolling lead is specifically designed to change the angle of that line going into the water to keep our lures down just under the surface of the water. Um, and after our trolling lead, we're going to have 25 to 35 feet of 300-pound monofilament, which is then attached to our lure, which is going to be after that. And so we're looking at that point. Tim, we're looking for the, uh, the, the let's see, the, you figure $100 for one of the lures, you got $20 in hooks, $15 into a liter, $35, $40 minimum on a weight, mm -hmm. and then you got five, four, uh, what, $300 worth of uh, uh, braid on an right. $800 reel. Right. <laughs> and, and a um, 500 five to $600 rod. So easily, uh, yeah. easily a lot of money. Uh, in all honesty, when you when you have a full spread behind the boat, you're looking at you have a, you have fifteen hundred dollar bill basically that you're pulling behind the boat at any given time. Uh, if you factor in the, the cost of the weight, the the rig, the leaders, you know, I mean the the hooks we use sometimes are ten dollars each. Yes, you know, Jesus. But in all in all fairness, though, you know, and this goes back to Tim, they figured out that the 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 three dollar hooks don't work. Yes. You know, and you, you need you need the better stuff. You know, they 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 straighten the hooks. They broke the hooks well before I started doing this that I knew not to buy that that bad hook. But that's unfortunately what works for this particular type of fishing. Um, but now with that being said, you can take these same rods and reels and let's come springtime fishing, summertime fishing. 
let's put the big plastics or the big uh, rig baits out and let's go let's go catch a marlin mm -hmm. you know uh, you can do the same thing with those you know without a problem that goes back to buy once cry once and the older i get the more i realize that when i buy stuff now it's quality yeah. it's quality hunting gear it's quality rifles quality shotguns quality optics because you got you keep them the rest of your life if you take care of them and when you're when you're doing an elite sport like what y'all are doing you are the, the tip of the spear basically for offshore you got to have all the best stuff i'd imagine yeah and, and that holds true even with the boat the maintenance uh the safety gear that we carry i mean we all carry life rafts we carry epurbs um <laughs> we carry locator beacons we carry all the stuff to make sure that we go and come home and stay on top of the maintenance of the boat too that's one of the factors that people don't talk tim you just service your motors and you just bought the you basically you bought the parts kits for all three motors and you dropped what 500 bucks for three motors well for both boats uh, i have i have two boats two charter boats i got one that's a 25 foot boat has two motors and i got a 36 foot boat that has three motors on it and between i was 800 bucks out the door for everything for and then i gotta go do it yeah and not yeah. pay somebody to do it. that's not paying somebody to do it that's just the parts <laughs> that's every hundred hours that's what a lot of people don't realize about fishing being invited to go fishing offshore Man, be willing and glad to pay whatever your cut is, because I promise you the guy that owns that boat's got a lot more in it, and you're lucky he invited. Uh, for, for reference, if, if anyone ever gets invited by Tim on their boat, uh, stop what you're doing and go. Um, if your <laughs> wife says no, threaten divorce, whatever it takes, because it's a, it's the first time I was on his boat, he gives his, uh, I guess, his first time, this is my boat, this is what it is thing, and he's like, well, I got the Gumby suits in this locker. He's like, I got a a, a boat in this locker, I guess, the blow up raft or whatever. I'm like, you got a what? <laughs> you got a full on inflatable survival raft in his boat and stuff. So he's he's mm -hmm. got the gear. Well, it's so, important because you're sometimes uh, you weren't with us last year. We we asked you to go, but you found something else to do. Rob and I were going dolphin fishing, and Rob and we asked <laughs> you don't remember that, Rob. We asked him to go. And oh yeah. Because he's a horseshoe. Justin is a horseshoe. Oh, I do remember that. Uh, no, he really is. He, he's always been lucky. Every time he's been on my boat, he, uh, it's it's brought luck to the boat. But we we pulled lines in last year, and we had what forty something dolphin, and uh, we were 102 miles away from the marina. Oh, you just, he wasn't with us, but yeah, but that he was with us today. Oh, we, we caught like 38 one day or something. That's yeah. what I thought. No, we we caught over 50, but we released some because they were too small. Yeah. Uh, that was the day you were, it was rough coming home was, from, and you were on the other, your, your other boat. One of the best things you can do in summertime, believe it or not, once you get to that or springtime is when you come on that weed, those big mats, like you're talking about, I will pull the boat into the, the, into the, one of those mats, shut the motor off and grab my mask and snorkel and a spear gun and jump over. And if you just get into the water under one of those mats, you would be amazed at what you see. There's dolphins swimming up to your triple tail. There's all kinds of cool stuff. Tim, I know you're shaking your head. No, I knew I never get out of that. I'm gonna say this. I'm, I'm gonna add on to that because folks, the for the landlocked uh uh fans that we have, there's a fear of deep water that I didn't know I had until he taught me into jumping in the water. And cool, there's <laughs> dolphin at the first three, four, five, ten foot of water, but when you look down and there's a black abyss. And you realize that you're 100 miles offshore and you're, man, you're dinner. You're, there's stuff that could eat you whole. 
I saw a school of amberjack down about, I don't know, 80 feet. And, and the school just creeped me out enough to get back in the boat. I, it, that ain't for me hey, either. Tim, things out there. Tim, you remember that, that big hammerhead we ran up on coming in that day? Yeah, yeah, that was that, that was the same day. Uh, we were 102 miles offshore. Yeah, we're on autopilot coming home. We're cruising at 40. It's beautiful, beautiful day. And Rob can't sit on a beanbag because he get he gets uh, car sick, right? So he's sitting up at the helm with me, and we look up and we saw this big fin coming out of the water. And Justin, that fish, what do you think of that fish was 13 13 feet long? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, his, his head was four feet across. Yeah, I mean, his dorsal fin stuck out of the water three feet and did not care about the boat at all yeah, he we ran the boat right up close to his back to see if there were any of the stuff called cobia on him right and we run that fit up on his back and he's like whatever dude i'm just i'm swimming along here just don't bother, <laughs> me. Don't bother me yeah well he, he has no predators correct he has nobody that's going to rough him up uh, yeah maybe a killer <laughs> whale or something i don't know I, theoretically but that that thing is amazing that 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 belly on that fish was man that that was a big old belly goodness gracious yeah it was good that was neat looking yeah mm -mm. tim just because i care to know will you, will you tell me a little bit about the orange the origins of the high speed where it came because i remember one time on your boat you told me it came from some other country originally it, it came from the bahamas it came from the bahamas okay. a guy a guy named ron chapman i believe his last first name is ron but i know his last name is chapman they were uh, trolling out there. And as a, from the way I understand it, I got it from an old guy here, a guy named Don Combs. And they would go marlin fishing and they would put their lures out a little bit early and they would be going to their spot uh, a little bit faster. And then they slow down. They troll for marlin at like 13 miles an hour, somewhere between nine and 13. Or when we're trolling for Mahi, we're usually around five and a half to six, right? Uh, miles an hour. So, they were, and they were going actually a little bit faster and they put these and they started catching Wahoo in the Bahamas, the high speed. And it really interests this guy and this guy got into it and uh, they were high speeding for Wahoo back in the day. I mean, uh, I think uh, like in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And, uh, and a lot of the guys who fish from here, a lot of the, the, the guys who, you know, have the sport fishers, they would they go down in May and they fish for Marlin out of the Bahamas in May, and they would go down there and they talk to this guy. And Don Combs happened to be one of the guys uh, to talk to this guy. And Don Combs is the one of the two names in CNH lures. If you're looking out there, if you see CNH lures in any any establishment, he is the C in CNH lures. Don Combs, and Don, uh, he came up here and started uh, selling lures to do this with and started doing a little bit on his sporty, right? And some of the boats out of St. Augustine, while they were they, a lot, there was a really great, and there still is a good marlin fishery here in that April, May time frame that we have here. They go and they, they troll for marlin and they put out, they started doing a little bit of high speeding. And when they did that high speeding, uh, going out there, they catch these wahoo. And then um, the culmination and I wrote this article uh, for for Florida Sport Fishing that talks about how did we, the uh, working class guys, the guys who, uh, the blue collar guys, get into high speed wahoo fishing uh, in in our center console boats. It happened because of a couple of things. Uh, the the first and foremost, a 
uh, NOAA shut down uh, red snapper fishing. And red snapper are something that we used to go out on and we'd be gone for three hours and go out and come back and fishing, come home and we'd have nice fish to eat. Well, they closed that in uh, 2010, but we, we started high-speed wahoo fishing and two, I started it in a, just about just prior to, in the fall before 2008. So the fall of 2007, I started high speeding and I really didn't know what I was doing. And then uh, other guys uh, kind of clued me in. And then we went to, anyway, the center console guys, uh, well, how we troll in the center console is very different than how they troll in a big, you know, multi-million dollar uh, sport fisher. Really? Even though the concepts are the same, but the setups are a little bit different. Um, the wake behind uh, the the boat. What's the name of the boat Zach uh, runs? Do you know? Still foolish. Uh, the real still foolish. That the wake on that boat is is pretty. Uh, it kicks up a lot of white water. All right, more really? so than my boat, and and, and uh, it's really hard for those fish to see those lures in that white water. Um, so anyway, uh, we started doing it here. And then working class guys uh, like myself would go fishing with other people. And uh, just as we do, as when we all go fishing, uh, you know, we, we split the cost. We split the cost of fuel. And mainly the, we split the cost of fuel. And that makes it affordable for us to get out and do our thing. Um, you know, and the good news is, is that it started in about 2007, 2008 being a real popular thing with a certain group of about 18 to 20 guys. And it really wasn't that big. It was more like 12 to 14. And everybody would uh, go out and they do their trial and error. And what were they pulling? What color were they pulling? How were they pulling it? What depth were they pulling it in? And uh, if you get a bunch of highly competitive guys, I mean, it's like you telling somebody where your, where your turkey stand is. You know what I'm saying? It ain't happening. It, it, you know, and so it, it takes, it took a lot of trial and error. And then uh, in the article, I write that in 2012 and Paul Dozier's uh, Northeast Florida Wahoo shootout, there was less than 20 boats that were high speeding. By 2016, you couldn't find 20 boats that weren't high speeding. High speeding yeah. is uh, bait fishing for Wahoo has become, uh, slow trolling for Wahoo has become so obsolete. It has its own category now. Yeah. So Eventually, I would say through a group of guys here in Northeast Florida, a group of working class guys, the Casey Smith, Corey Mayers, Jimmy Holt, uh, Don Frattle, um, got all these guys and uh, was Clint Thompson, all these guys that we, we all, and David Law, how can I forget, David Law and I fished together for a long time. We got out and we, we did this and uh, they were there first and I kind of came in a little bit later. And, but let me tell you, they, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, a uh, and then, uh, through a series of boredom, I started that Facebook group on Christmas day in 2016. And now it's just, uh, it's, it's blown up to over, you know, 16,000, uh, plus people in the Facebook group. Hey, Tim, do you, do you actually have a, uh, have you got a Wahoo lure handy in your office there? That's oh, a good oh. point. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hold one? And, yeah, and get I, people got, I got one here. It's not one that we pull, though. Uh, but yeah, just the size of it, of what yeah. we're looking at. That's a Magbay G4, G24, and yeah. it's a cuphead lure. Yeah. And 
our, our good friends Toby and Eric with uh, Mag Bay uh, Lures send us these and we fish with them and everything. We've caught plenty of fish on those things. And, you know, that lure, Tim, what's that head? 24 ounces? Yeah, maybe? 24 ounce head. And as you can see, it's yeah. concave there. And it, it, uh, yep. it's a lot of, it creates a lot of drag. A lot of drag. Keeps it down. And, keeps it down in the water. Yeah, I was going to ask the yep. purpose. I'm sorry. I was going to ask the purpose of the cuphead because I don't know. And then my, my fans. It don't. keeps it. It keeps it down. It, it keeps it. It keeps it down in the water. You know, you're going to roll. You're going to pull a, 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 a. Probably which should have been a little smarter. Come in with a trolling weight, but that trolling weight comes in front. It keeps the head of that lure kind of level, or it decreases the angle of when it's going straight to the rod. If you didn't run a, a trolling line in front of it, anyway, you keep it here, and no matter uh, if you. You can put a 64 ounce in front of it, or we pull a 96 ounce trolling lead in front of a 48 ounce lure, and, <laughs> and, it, and it never gets more than uh, maybe 20 inches below the water because we're going. If fast. that, if that, yeah, yeah. So how far back are you pulling these? We, we on on my boat. My first line is at 50 feet. Uh, the close. We're going closest to longest, and uh, the, I'll give you the trolling weights in order. This is how I teach it. 50, 50 feet, but I have a 96 ounce lead on that. And then we're pulling a big lure that is a big lure behind it. So 50 feet, then 125 feet. And there's a 64 ounce trolling lead in front of the lure there. The next line is 225 feet. And then we got a 48 ounce trolling lead in front of it. The next line is 275 feet. It's got a 32 ounce trolling lead. And then the shotgun is somewhere 350-ish plus, 350 feet plus, and it's got a 24-ounce lure in front of that. So your shotgun so we, is your is your shotgun's your back back bait. The one that's way back. We we call I call it shotgun. Okay. And the main difference between Wahoo and, and Mahi is you don't pull any dead bait, Wahoo fishing, obviously, unless you're slow. Well, you you do. You 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 can absolutely dead bait for Wahoo. But it, the greatest advantage to uh, high speeding for Wahoo is the that the, the amount of ground you can cover to find the fish. Uh, you will you will routinely see. I mean, uh, I think I think Justin, the day that you fished with us, Wahoo fishing, we bottom fished that day too. We bottom yeah, fished midday, and I was going to tell the fans that too. If you ever get a chance to go high speed, absolutely go, people. It's amazing. You'll learn so much. Uh, make sure you tell your wife. That they pull baits until dark. <laughs> dark. <laughs> it's, I didn't know, and of course, I didn't have cell phone reception. And my wife didn't know, and she was so happy uh, when I got home. Well, I, I got a, you know I got a sat phone on my boat. We usually text uh, when Rob got a kidney stone. We had to text uh, Angie to come get me to sit there at the uh, at the marina. We thought Rob was dying. Yeah. So uh, I but, thought I thought Rob was. <laughs> But I can tell you that uh, we uh, we 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 will easily cover. Uh, we've covered up to two hundred sixty miles in a day. In yeah. one day, people, two hundred and sixty miles trolling in one day. Yeah. So, do you do you? I know you. Well, the secrets are what they are. So tell what you want, but. Do you do you fish over known bottom spots or do you aim for temperature breaks or is that day to day? I, I, I fish. I try to marry marry known bottom spots to temperature breaks, right? And I try to stay in that area. 
And then, you know, that's where I'm going to start. I'm, I'm always going to start by looking at my rip charts and seeing where that temperature break is and what all those known bottoms. Okay. Uh, Rob can tell you, we just put on a, uh, the Jacksonville Blue Water Club that we belong to. Just put, we, Rob and Angie and me, and that's about it. Worked with that tournament, right? But we put on yeah. this tournament that, uh, that there were some big fish caught in this tournament and they, in their belly, they had vermilion snapper or what we call bee liners. Yeah. Right? Because the bee liner spawn was going on at that time. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, it, it was our tournament actually hit perfect for that. Yes. And in regards to, you know, talking about them spitting up the bee liners, spitting up the bee liners. Uh, we didn't see really any um, uh, blue runners. No. Nope. No, no blue runners, but they were fat full of the, uh, the bee liners. We have a great fishery here. And if you think at it, you actually look at the, the amount of live bottom we have here. And when I refer to live bottom, I'm talking about the reefs, the live bottom, the coral, the ledges, the rocks, and all the, all the things that you see that hold the bait fish. You have fish that are swimming. They could be swimming up and down through the, uh, the Gulf Stream, heading north or south, whatever they're doing. If they spin off of that, they come in here and they gorge themselves and they eat. And that's why if you look at, you know, a lot of guys refer to as the, uh, the, the, the Northeast Florida package is in their trolling spread is, you know, you're going to have a blue and white American Express. Okay, that's what we refer to. You don't leave home without it. The, your blue and white is always out there. And you're going to have your beeliner colors, your orange with the, uh, with the yellow and, and the pink and everything in it to kind of mimic the beeliner, the vermilion snapper that these large fish are, are, are eating. Yeah, they're gorging um, themselves on it. They're gorging themselves. Now, you do remember last year that we hung a fish that we weighed in and we had a black fin tuna come out of his mouth. Right. Justin, <laughs> I had a, a day that I fished. It was 2016. I, I was fishing down south off of St. Augustine. And we it was a tournament day. And we uh, trolled across a number and we picked up two fish. One was 50, 55 pounds. The other one was 50. We, we're, we're, we keep track of the weights because we're gonna, it was a tournament day. And we got to know which fish we want to weigh. Well, the 55 pounder comes over the rail. The guy gaffs it, comes over the rail. And as it comes over the rail, it pukes up a piece of gag grouper the size of my hand, right? It was like this. And he had just eaten that gag grouper because it still had the spots on it, right? It was amazing. And you're like, where did that come from? And so we spun back around and the next, the next turn through the spot uh, yielded a 65 and an 82 and it was a couple money fish. Those were money fish for us. For, uh, that was uh, that. I think that got me fifth place. And I think uh, I think uh, it wasn't a lot of money, but the Calcutta money added up to be a pretty good chunk of change. So it was. But the eighty-two and the sixty-two came off the very same hundred yards that the other two fish came off of. We spin back around. We pick up two more fish, and we're like, okay, we're ready to go home. So we left and went home early. Two points I want to make if if you're like me and you, and you don't get to Gulf Shore a lot or you do, you know, time to time. Never want, you never want to be the gaff man. Let someone else that lives on that boat be the gaff man because you can be the, the hero or the zero and you never want the guilt of losing a fish off the gaff. <laughs> mm. And another thing I want to ask is, so Wahoo, just me being ignorant, they don't stay up in the water column. They go down deep too to eat. Yeah, they, they bounce all through the water column. 
and your boat the is, place. yeah your boat is your biggest your biggest attractor for for oahu your uh we call it the the boat's the teaser right uh they're coming to the boat i mean uh you know and then the how we fish uh i run a lot of single hook uh rigs and uh a single hook is just that you know instead of having two hooks inside the lure we just got one and wahoo are they they eat like a king mackerel eats they cut the bait in half and when they cut the bait in half they cut the motor off the the the, the bait they're eating then they come back and they eat the head right so when we we on our port side of the boat which is the left side of the boat when we catch a fish on that side of the boat on a single hook i would say there's probably and rob can attest to this probably a 65 to 70 percent chance 65 percent chance that that fish is hooked outside of the face in through his jaw like this and he's hooked on the right side so which means he paralleled that bait that that lure from the outside here's your prop wash for your boat you're he's paralleling from here and he cuts across to cut that bait in half from clean water into dirty water right which would be the prop wash to the boat so we know through our own redneck research that we we have our fish are coming outside in and because we're not fishing on that multi-million dollar uh, uh still foolish boat that we, we we can't we can uh we can't see it because we're not up high we're down low on that center yeah. console boat so. yeah in um, justin you know it, it it's no different than than hunting when you're pattering deer you're patterning how the turkeys or what they're doing we're taking note of how these fish are eating you know and if, and we have certain positions on the boat you know that you know we run a certain lure in the 275 slot or the 250 slot and we know that fish or that lure if it gets hit you know it's going to be from the clean water to the dirty water but we also know that a lot of big fish don't care about the boat tim we caught how many fish on the short bait on the 50 foot line you would you know, in one, one day, day we caught was it four in a row off the 50 foot line you remember that yeah four four in a row that a lot of fish they don't care about the motors that, that that'll actually bring them in it's no different than a food plot when you're hunting you know they're going to come in if they're hungry they're going to eat yeah. so know? the first time i went offshore it was for dolphin or mahi uh, i was oh, mr captain bobby Deedoff, but he put a bait right in the prop wash and i'm meaning yeah. 10 foot behind the boat. And I was like, there's nothing going to eat that 10 oh, yeah. foot behind the boat in the prop wash. How can you see that? There it goes. It's gone. I'm like, okay, well, offshore is a little different than the pond you're fishing in, you know, back home. Get it. Hey, it going back to redneck research. I feel like, I don't know if I'm a country boy or redneck, but I'm close to both of them. It, those vermilion snapper you were talking about earlier that the Wahoo are eating. I like eating those just the same. Those are good to me. <laughs> they're, they are good. Yeah. They're, they're the, the, my, and Rob, I don't, I'm, Rob and I, I think share the same opinion. One of my favorite fish to eat is the goofiest, one of the goofiest looking fish we catch, which is a trigger fish. I love trigger fish. They're hard to clean, but I love trigger fish. We catch a lot of those out there. Uh, we have a fantastic fishery here. And I tell you, uh, just about every day that we can fish that I'm not committed to fish a tournament, somebody's chartering me to take them offshore, either go bottom fishing or to go wahoo fishing and wahoo fishing ain't cheap uh it's 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 expensive and people don't mind paying it it's a it's a wonderful wonderful experience to get out there i mean uh, what do you think the first time you heard the 
the the reel go off when we were wahoo fishing. You remember that? I, I do, and I remember a. Why aren't we slowing the boat down? Because that thing's going the opposite direction at about four thousand miles an hour. And b. When's it gonna stop going? So so explain that hookup, and then I got to explain the hookup to people that have never offshore fish. The way, you keep the boat. What you do? We keep we we keep uh, speed on. We're doing nineteen to twenty one. 18 to 21 and when the fish hooks up uh, there's several reasons why you keep the speed speed up but the most important one is that when a fish bites a lure that may weigh 30 ounces or 48 ounces and that lure is doing 20 miles an hour and in front of that lure there's a trolling weight that may weigh four pounds right it rips one heck of a hole in that fish's mouth okay so when that fish, he eats it, all of a sudden there's a huge hole, all right? So, which makes it easy for the hook to just fall out, right? So you keep your speed up so that line is always tight and that hook is always tight in that fish's mouth. And you don't want ever as you, this would be your trolling weight and this would be your fish on the lure. You don't want that fish to get ahead of that trolling weight because it'll just pull the hook right out of his mouth. So you keep your speed up. Hence why it's a man's, uh, I shouldn't say it's a man's sport, uh, because one of the best reelers is, uh, that, or the best people on the reel is uh, my buddy Casey's wife, Georgette. She is, she's, she's an absolute beast on the reel. She, she just, she's great. Uh, but the, the thing is, it's, it's work getting a fish in. It is absolute work getting a fish in. And you keep your speed up and the, you're looking for two things. Uh, when that fit first, you don't slow the boat down. And when you don't slow the boat down, I, if for 30 seconds after a fish hits, it's like an eternity for most Heart, folks. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh my God, uh, when, is he ever going to slow this boat down? There, the, the first reason would be is you want to get that second hookup. You want that other, that second fish to bite. You want that third fish to bite. You want that fourth fish to bite. And we've had all that happen. I, I, I think I had five on at one time back in uh, 2014 and I caught two of them, you know, um, because just the dynamic of having every rod go off. Well, well we have to speed up for that. And secondly, and something that we had talked about on our last uh, fishing trip is it allows that fish to clear out away from all the other lines. Okay. Because, uh, and he gets, once he gets past them, there's a good chance he's not going to go over the top of them and cross them up because you're going to have your your share of fish crossing lines. Um, so you get you let him pull himself clear of the spread. Then when you so you're doing 20, you run it for 30 seconds. Most time I'm running for 45, sometimes even longer than that. And then we ease it back to 12, and we start pulling all the other lines in that don't have fish on them. Right. So we pull those lines in. We call that clearing lines, and we're doing that at 12 miles an hour. And as we start to get our last line clear, uh, we'll have somebody like Rob will be on the reel or somebody, Lynn, you, will be on that reel. And I'll say, okay, we're coming back. Let me know when you can get line on the reel. And we'll I'll pull back very, very slowly at, to about eight. And at eight miles an hour, we'll determine, okay, what do we got to do to get this fish in? Most every fish that we catch, we're still doing what? Six, probably five to six. Yeah. yeah. And for the big fish, uh, you'll be down to 
three miles an hour trying to get trying to get line on the big fish. But you've always got to keep your hand on the throttles because if you allow that fish to charge the boat and they do charge the boat, if you let him get ahead of that that trolling weight, he's going to dehook himself. All right, and so you you may be sitting there and all of a sudden I think you're the the line's going too slack or we need to go. We, you know, I just gun it and we take it back and ride back up 15, 18 miles an hour. And I'm yelling, please stop doing that. (laughs) Slow down. You know, and and to be honest with you, to to expound on that, you know, is, you know, when your make or break point, believe it or not, is, you know, it's not when the fight, it's not the, it's not when the fish is running. It's not when you're cranking. Majority of the time that, you know, if something's going to go bad, it's going to go bad when we get that fish close to the boat. And like Tim grabs the leader and he starts wiring it and then they go crazy. Small fish are a pain in the butt. They are. We had one that charged, remember he charged the motor, bit the motor, mm-hmm. you know, and I gaffed him leaning out the, out, out the back of the boat. Mm-hmm. I would much rather have that boat going at six, seven miles an hour and him pulling that fish up slow than us go quick and then make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, because what happens is, you know, if you, if you slow down, you give that fish the upper hand where he can dart back and forth. He can, he can get in the motor, you know, he can get behind the boat. He can get under a trim tab um, where if you keep him going, you use the boat to your advantage by turning into that fish, pulling him up by his head and we stick him and he's in the box. Um, you know, and it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, until you, well, you remember Tim was it last year we had a triple header and we got all three. All three. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask, what's your percentage to, to knockdowns to actual catch? What's, say, a, what's a normal percentage? I would say uh, once a year started, early in the year, you're going to be like at a 60 to 70 percentile, uh, simply because you're getting yourself back into it. But like we're in full Wahoo swing right now. I'd say hook up to catch fish. <coughs> oh, man, Rob, I, I think we're probably 80, 85 percent, probably. Yeah, uh, we are. You know, in. Wow. I wouldn't include in that what we would refer to as a, a, what you call a lead strike. And a lead strike is when that fish comes in. He doesn't hit the lure. He hits the lead. He hits the trolling weight that's above above the lure. You know, I don't count that as a – I don't count that as a miss, yeah. you know, because we never fish, we never fought them and, and things like that. But, yeah, you're, you're, you're on point with those numbers because, you know, very rarely do we actually have fish come unbuttoned because, you know, if you get into that routine – and that's basically what it is, is, you know, it's a routine of what works, of keeping the tight line, keeping the boat moving, and everybody doing their job, you know, as long as you don't have a tackle failure, you're, you're, you have very good chances, you know. Justin, we lost one last trip. Uh, we were, it was rough, and we lost, we lost a fish after we had it on for probably 10 minutes, right? And it was because uh, we, I mean, we were getting a crap beat out of us, man. I mean, literally, uh, we should not have been fishing that day. It, when, when Flynn doesn't feel good, yeah, yeah, that's a bad. Uh, we 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 got we we were it was so rough. Everybody was soaking wet, um, and uh, we had a fish on, and we fought that fish for probably ten or fifteen, and uh, he came off, and uh, yeah, that's a that's uh, that happens early in the year when you're when you may be slowing down too quickly or your drags aren't set quite quite right or maybe your hook sets aren't perfect but you know once we our wahoo year 
starts when you guys are deer hunting uh for me yeah. my walk because i i i don't want another sport to pour money down uh i i'd rather watch you guys on youtube and uh, and, <laughs> and facebook shoot things uh or my grandson tj shooting deer you know uh we i love watching you know uh my my buddy from high school uh he he's out you know he's on that that uh what's it real tree outdoors tv show david blanton and uh Dave, i see dave out there and i'm like i see dave out there hunting and i'm like man we played basketball together in high school you couldn't get that kid out in the woods when we were in high school man i'm like and now he's like big time deer hunter but i'm telling you something and, and I don't, have you ever, uh, Justin, in your travels, have you ever met David? Uh, from I've Real never Tree met Outdoors? Dave. Um, I actually have a, a guy from Realtree on this week, but I've never met Dave. Yeah, D Dave uh, was a really, he's a year behind me in school. We went to basketball camp at Stetson University together, right? And uh, Dave is a, before the three-point line now. That's how old Dave is. We're both so old that we played basketball. Three-point line didn't come in until 1983. And uh, Dave graduated in 79. I graduated in 78. And I can tell you that uh, Dave was a really good shooter, which tells you why he loves to bow hunt. He's got great eye hand, right? He's right. got that great eye hand. And uh, that's, uh, I know we're, we're squirreling there a little bit, but yeah, I, I mean. Justin, what year were you born? You're still squirreling inside of our box of hunting and fishing, so that's okay. I, I was born in 83. You're born in 83. Yeah, yeah he was born in, he's a three-point child. <laughs> oh gosh dang <laughs> I, uh, you know david blanton man you you never cease to amaze me that's cool he's a big deal yeah dave, dave and i dave and i went to high school we played on the same basketball team together and uh like dave uh dave was uh dave dave was a pretty good basketball player he was wearing contacts in 1977 and buddy I mean, contacts back in those days were those hard they, contacts. They were made of glass. Yeah, they were <laughs> actually glass. Oh, no, yeah. thank you. Oh, take an elbow yeah. to the eye? No. Yeah. Dave, was, Dave was a good basketball player. He was, he was, you know, mm -hmm. he was a pretty boy. He was a pretty boy, but he was pretty good. But I'll tell you what, I love watching him. I mean, he was funny. He was funny in high school. He's funny now. He's, he's, he's way more funny now. And I've, I've never been so jealous of anybody as I was David Blanton when Chipper Jones got inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. He invited David Blanton as one of his guests to go. He was one of his honored guests. And I'm like, oh, I can't. Oh, now I'm God. pissed. Now I'm pissed. You know? David Blanton <laughs> fell into the right group of people, that's for sure. Yes, he did. So I, I, going back to the Wahoo, just I got a couple more questions because, you know. I don't get to pick your brain very much while we're while I'm screaming in agony trying to reel efficient. <laughs> um, <laughs> first, I'm going back to something I wrote down earlier. You, Rob, you said y'all you pull a blue and white, and you called it American Express. I don't really know what that means, but what is the blue and okay. white? What does the blue and white imitate? Is there a so so this kind of goes back to what we referred to? We talked about earlier in in. And this is actually a, like a freshwater term. It's called match the hatch. So going back to our good fisher, we have the great bottom, we have the ledges, we've got the live bottom, we have the, the, the vermilion, the bee liners and things like that. We also have a lot of blue runners here. Mm -hmm. And the blue runners are, it, it's in, they're in the jack family. And um, it's a fish that is a, a grayish light white sometimes. And they have like a blue back. 
and so they're blue and white in color. Um, the actual reference to the American Express goes back to the CNH Express uh, lure, which is blue and white, which happens to be the color of the American Express card. Gotcha. So hence, you don't leave home without it. And Tim, I'd say that's in our spread 100% of the time. 100% of the time. Yeah, well, yeah. if it's not the actual CNH lure, it is something They're that a variant. is white over blue. Yeah, and it's a, white a, over a blue. That. Yeah, a variant of that. Yeah. And and once again, it goes back to that, you know, you're you're matching the the hatch of the, of the fish that are around here that the Wahoo are feeding on. Um, you know, and we make reference to the beeliner color. Um, that's another color that is continuously in our spread um, on tip boat, my boat, any other boat here in Northeast Florida, you know, they're going to have a beeliner out there. Um, on, that, on that, can you take this style, y'all style of, of Wahoo fishing anywhere in the world? Can you, I, we have a lot of listeners from North Carolina for some reason and, and yeah. up that way, can you still do the same stuff or do you got to run farther? So, what's the deal? I will say that we have a good friend, uh, Chris Pino, who owns uh, Palmetto Lures out of uh, South Carolina. Okay. Um, he said it's in the past two to three years now, um, the guys up there used to laugh at the blue and white that we were continuously dragging down here. Um, he said it is now his number one seller in the Carolinas that they're actually using it. The And actually that stemmed from a lot of the charter boat guys up there and they're using it now in the tournament and they're winning money with it, right. you know, in terms on the tournament scene. Yeah, the uh, the the white over blue for sure is a is a is a winner in the uh, tournament scene, and the folks, uh, how you know, I, I I'm not going to overstate this as as I, I and I, I will overstate it. Okay, is that the the high speed Wahoo crowd is turned into a working class crowd, and we say. You know, Tim's got a 36-foot boat with triple engines and da-da-da-da-da. It is more, more affordable that it isn't the, like when I fished the Big Rock uh, Marlin Tournament on our good buddy Rob Rose boat, and, you know, it was a $4.5 million boat, and we were surrounded by, you know, Michael Jordan was on one side of us, you know, and the okay. Earnhardt folks were over there on the other side, you know. Uh, you know, they were, it's not that type of, we... It could easily be that type. Just in rods and reels, I would assume that we have somewhere in the vicinity of of my Wahoo stuff. I probably have what you think, fourteen thousand, fifteen thousand dollars worth of just the rods and reels. That doesn't count the lures and weights and uh, everything else. I would say that's yeah, that's that's conservative, least speaking. Yeah, I'm knowing from knowing from what I have in, in my collection. Well, it's and it and it's went viral, Justin. From this, it started with, and, and I and I say that, and I can't. Uh, uh, it's my experience, okay. So I can only speak from my experience, and from my experience, the high speed center console high speed stuff started right here in Jacksonville with a group of guys, uh, a small group of guys out of Jacksonville and St. Augustine that frequented a place. On Friday afternoon, you could go in there and they had beer in the bait freezer and you could drink beer and make your favorite colored lure, right? And uh, it was run by Steve Grant. Uh, now, he, now he is the general manager of Zack Attack Lures and Diamond Fishing Products. He, he's a big wig with Diamond Fishing Products and they sponsor 
all the stuff we did. But that is, it's all went viral now, man. It's went viral. And we talked to guys out of Okinawa. We're talking them into high-speed wahoo fishing. There's a dude down in down in Honduras that is high-speeding out of Honduras now, right? Uh, through our Wahoo Junkies Facebook group that has grown like exponentially again. Uh, but but one, one, one thing you're failing to mention too, though, is, you know, you, you, I mean, you make reference to the CNH with Stephen Grant and everybody of Zara Corey and, and Casey and everybody. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a group that you just parked in the parking lot and walked on in and started talking to everybody. You, you had to actually, you had to kind of almost be accepted and kind of work, work your way in to get these guys to talk. Yeah. You know? and, and that is, you know, you go to a dock anywhere, you know, you can talk with, you know, like, like, like Roby, if you if you pulled up to the dock and you know Roby and you don't know him and he's got a whole stringer of, of fish he's cleaning at the table, he's going to tell you he had a good day, but he's not going to tell you where he went. And 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 Tim's talking about that too. You know, you didn't just walk into CNH Lures and these guys tell you, you had to pay your dues. Oh yeah, and, I had to, I I had to go back every Friday. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I went back every Friday for almost a year. Uh, trying yeah. to pick their brain and steve because let's let's steve's a good businessman steve would tell me enough to sell me some stuff right <laughs> oh yeah sell me some stuff right and then i would go out and try and never catch wahoo I, I mean the first time i ever went wahoo fishing we limited out right and mm-hmm. uh and, and it was uh so i can tell you i mean it was working but i wanted to high speed because these guys that were high speeding were catching bigger fish and more fish yeah than us that were going slower pulling bait right and so i mean uh, the the story i wrote was justin you get a kick out of this the first time i went into cnh lures uh it was 2006 uh, i had just transferred from the uss john f kennedy to nas May, May, or jacksonville and uh i was over at nas jacks and i we got our boat and i went in there and they were talking I, they were sitting around there was a group of about five guys and they ha- all had beer. And I'm like, this is cool. This is a bait shop with beer, man. This is like the coolest thing ever, right? So I work in there and I'm still in uniform, right? In my, my khaki uniform. And I go in there and uh, they're, uh, and they kind of just shut up, right? And I'm like, <laughs> that's know. not awkward. No, that's not awkward, <laughs> you know? And then they start talking about grouper fishing. I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen, right? So they start talking about grouper fishing, and that's great because I want to. We all want to catch more grouper, right? And so, um, but it took a while before. Uh, and Steve had always said, "Talk to these guys. Talk to these guys." And I, I tried to talk to him. They wouldn't talk to me. But it took a while, and I started bringing beer. I started bringing uh, uh, what was it? What it was that they liked? God, whatever. I, I can't remember. It was some stupid beer. It wasn't Bush Latte. But it was uh, <laughs> it was something. It wasn't like the military beer that had just a white can with beer written on the side of it. But uh, I would bring beer. And, uh, I, I worked my way in. I would change. I would change into my gym clothes before I out of my uniform and just hang my uniform in my truck because I'd leave work and I would go over there. But yeah, they uh they were, you know, they were they were standoffish and uh, you know you had to you had to prove you weren't a butthole so they talked to you. Right. They had to develop, develop a lot of a level of trust with you. Mm-hmm. What, what um, you say, Jackson will pretty much put high speeding for the normal people on the market and absolutely. 
what would you say would be an appropriate starter boat for an average Joe if he wanted to start high speeding? Like what, uh, what you, size, what, you know? I would say a, a minimum of a 25, 26 foot boat. Yeah. And that's just to get out in the snotty days. Yeah. Well, I mean, Rob did it on a 23 foot boat. Uh, yeah. yeah. Rob did it on a 23 foot boat. I did it on a 23 foot boat. Um, but uh, you just want a level of, of safety of a little bit of bigger boat. Uh, you know, I went from a, uh, I went 21, 26, 36, you know, and now I got a 25 to go with the 36. Uh, I love the 25. So, I, I, I love the 25 foot boat. That so, 25 so, go ahead. So what's kind of ironic though, is the first time I ever went high speed trolling on my own. And this was years and years ago. I borrowed a set of thirties from a friend and I did it in a 20 foot Key West on a nice day. Yes. And we went out and we were high speeding. We didn't know what we were doing and we actually caught Wahoo. Yes. And that was in a, I had a, I had a 20 foot Key West and then I went from the 20 Key West to the 23 Sailfish. And now I'm in, I have a 31 now. And that comfort factor is, it is so much nicer when you, once you get to that boat because it opens a lot, up a lot more days. But with that being said, Tim, in our tournament that we just had, and in the uh, in the shootout, the guys on the bow down, a 26-foot Pathfinder that they fish. They're out there fishing in a 26-foot bay boat, and the guys catch fish. Um, yeah. They have that boat, and they fish a 32-foot fountain also. But if you ask Bobby Haspel right now, he said that he would prefer to fish on that 26 Pathfinder than the, uh, than the fountain. Um, that boat's and, not big enough for their balls. Well, it, you know, I mean, these guys catch fish, man. They catch some great fish. And it's one of those things that they believe in that boat. And it could be something with the harmonics, the motor, whatever that they believe, the music they play that convinces them that they catch a lot of fish. And so they have a lot of confidence in that boat. And they, and they, and they do very well. Now, they also watch the weather. And, um, and they have another boat, you know, if, if they don't want to take that one. But, you know. So, but yeah, I mean, it. it it's whatever you're comfortable in, but I, I I caution the rookie or the new guy to go out there in a little boat. Go go fishing with somebody who's got a, a bigger boat that's done it before and and and, and kind of learn the ropes of the ocean. So you don't you get know, punched well, we in don't the mouth. Want... You don't get punched in the mouth. You don't get snake bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we don't, the, we just don't want those guys. Do... Go ahead, Rob. What are you saying? Well, we just don't want guys to go out in little boats and you know and then get into a hairy situation way offshore. Because that's the last thing we want everybody to go out and come home. You know, and that's that, a big that's thing. That's happened. That's happened uh, too frequently off of Mayport or St. Augustine or off the East Coast of Florida here recently. Um, is there a. Okay, so there are Wahoo all over the world? Yeah, everywhere. Okay. Okay, I didn't know that. Caught, caught them, uh, you know, they're out in the Indian Ocean. There's a place called Diego Garcia where B 52s was stationed out of. Uh, I have never been there um you got to have a purpose to go into diego garcia and like it's an island in the middle of the indian ocean but the guys i've had guys that work for me that were stationed there and they had a little charter boat service there at the little base that they worked out of and they caught monster wahoo over there that, really yeah and it's just it's just amazing uh, i i think about it and i'm like that is uh, and i want to go 
but you can't like as a retiree you can't you can't go in there it's strictly you know that's where we were staging our b-52s uh during both uh afghanistan and iraq yeah so and those places like you just referred to tim Mm. are they closer to the shore yeah they're way out in the middle of the ocean yeah you catch them anywhere they catch them in hawaii that's a great thing about the group and the website and the the live streams that we do and uh for wahoo junkies is that the Sixteen thousand people that are members of Wahoo Junkies are from all over the world. Now, the largest concentration of them is in the Jacksonville, Northeast Florida area, up to the Carolinas, North Carolina. But you know, one of the places I was stationed at was Bermuda. That's where actually uh, my son Chris was born. We were in Bermuda, and uh, so uh, Bermuda has great Wahoo. They but they fish for them differently there. They fish, they live bait for them there, and. Uh, we have yet our, our one guy, we have a couple guys over there that fish and uh, we, we've, we haven't convinced them to high speed yet, right? We're like, come on, man, you, you need to try high speed. It reminds me of the story when I first time I went to Alaska, uh, my other son that you went to school with, Matt, he is uh, my, my son, Pastor Matt. Well, first time we went fishing with Matt on a charter boat and they were trolling for silver salmon with these beat up nasty spoons on downriggers. And I'm like, and they're catching these silver and king salmon, right? And I'm like, I look at the captain because I'm hanging out at the wheelhouse. I mean, I don't really care about reeling a fish. I just love fishing. And uh, so we were, uh, I said to him, I said, dude, have you ever tried live baiting for these? And he looks at me and goes, why? And he's <laughs> right. Why would you go to the, the thing of live baiting if you're catching them on a, a piece of crap spoon that you can pull behind the boat. And it's the same, it's the same way with those guys in Bermuda. If they're catching them on live bait, why would they why would they spend more money and go high speed wahoo fishing? Yeah. Yeah. What is your Justin, favorite times? What is your favorite times of year to fish? If you had to pick a two or three week period, each of you in Alpha Mayport, what would it be? Oh, no. that's, that's so tough. Is it okay? It's not. You can't narrow it down. It's just sporadic. I mean, it, it's probably this time right now. It's. It, 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 I would say for sure numbers, for sure numbers of fish, and the fact that you kind of left alone, uh, because not everybody's in it. Most of your buddies are in deer stands. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Thanksgiving through the second week in December, uh, one of my favorite times. You can go out and catch fish anytime during that time. Uh, for tournament stuff, tournament fish here in the Jacksonville area for your largest fish uh, have theoretically come every year with the exception of last year and one year prior, another year back in 2016, have come off the full moon in March. All right. The March full moon produces the tournament winning fish. Yep. 80% of the time. But you have to watch the signs. Last year, there was 126 pounder caught the second week in January. The big fish showed up early last year. The big fish are kind of showing up early this year. So hence why we are fishing on Wednesday. We are we going to put in one of our tournament days on Wednesday if the uh, if the weather stays with the same forecast. So, so yeah, if I can get if I can get the new moon, depending on how it falls and everything, if you can get that new moon in the beginning of February. New moon, you're gonna get you're gonna get the numbers of fish, more than likely, 
but if you can if you can fish three days before three days after the uh the full moon those are the times usually that we we see a lot of big fish caught too um you know three three before three after um those fish are you know they're eating they're hungry they're yeah. you know they're 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 gonna eat you're not gonna you're not gonna get 15 strikes you're not gonna hook 12 fish you're gonna hook three fish that day but you know you're probably gonna hook three nice fish yeah hopefully you know um it's not nearly as it's not nearly as active um but you know the fish that are gonna eat they're gonna eat and they're gonna be nice fish usually is what we see um but uh but i it, but to be honest with you the best time to go is whenever whenever the weather lets you yeah that's exactly right, right now that's what we're at you know we, we have a small window this week on wednesday um that you know the weather's going to be fishable and uh we're going to try to take advantage of it you know can't kill them from the couch no, no you can't I've so, one from so on tournament on the tournaments so on tournaments y'all host a few tournaments and i'm gonna get you to tell me about that in a second just tell me what tournaments y'all host and what y'all fish but are all wahoo tournaments the same where you have a block window of days and you declare one or two or three of those days to fish and those, like, how many days do you get to declare basically? Go ahead, Rob. So it's, it, it, it's, it's dependent on the tournament. So we just, we got done running a, uh, we had a tournament that started on uh, uh, November 26th, I think. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. November 26th. And it ended up, uh, we finished January up on 15th, what? I think. 15th. That's right. Yeah. The 15th. And, you know, you, you get to choose your particular days that you want to fish of that, that block. Um, the one thing that we did particularly with that tournament is, um, we decided that you can only weigh one fish per day, um, instead of doing the, the, the general, the normal, you know, two fish per day. Um, and what we wanted to do is, you know, and not taking anything away from any other tournament here, because we got the biggest Wahoo tournament in the world is here. Um, but we wanted to see that we wanted to have that angler go out and catch the, catch that 80 pound fish on Tuesday and then back it up with another fish on another day, because we've seen, we, you've seen, you know, a lot of guys, you know, they've caught, you know, you got that lucky, you get that lucky streak where you catch an 80 and a 75 back to back. You want to make and, sure you're, you're rewarding more towards skill than, than a lucky day. Well, I mean, look, yes. yes and no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you know, it, you know, it, it, it was just one of those things we wanted to see who can, who can catch catch one and then back it up with another one on another day? Sure. Um, and but you know that particular we had we had forty three boats and we paid out one hundred and fourteen thousand uh, dollars for that tournament, yeah. um, which was you know that was a, a a pretty good payday for for some guys there. Um, and our big our big fish of the tournament was a, a one boat called a, a ninety three pounder, and unfortunately he didn't get into the Calcutta, which is our side bets that we have. And that was uh what was that? Twenty seven thousand. Yeah, he missed he missed twenty seven thousand because he didn't get into the side bet on that particular fish. The snapper slapper is that yours too? No, that's not. Our no, snapper. that's the Palms Fish Camp. But we like fishing it. It's a I had charters this year, uh, so I didn't I didn't fish. You fish it this year, Rob? Though. Oh yeah, so I've actually placed like three out of the last four years or something with it so which is nice so 
Hey, uh, actually, uh, Hannah, Hannah Banana, my daughter, she won the ladies division this past year. And uh, we've won the uh, military first responder and all kinds of good stuff with that one. But uh, Hannah caught a 19.7 pound uh, uh, snapper and won the ladies division that this past year. Yeah, that's a tank. So, that's a tank. Oh, yeah, that was a nice one. Well, but, yeah, we have talking about the talking about the tournaments, we got to give uh, props to uh, uh, Paul Dozier. Um, um, he's got a great tournament and it's he's been doing it for a number of years now. And it's the uh, it's the Wahoo shootout. And Tim, how many boats is he getting in that one? This do you know? There was, uh, I think he told me 220 boats this year. Wow. The 220 boats that are all fishing um, out of Northeast Florida. And uh, basically, the line runs from what the Flagler Pier up to? No, just south of the Flagler Pier, all the way down towards uh, almost almost to Cape Canaveral, all the way up oh, to uh, oh, north of Savannah, just a little bit okay. north of Savannah. It's, but that's uh, all 210 boats are still fishing on the same three acres. I'm just telling you right now. You got to stay south of the 30, I want to say the 3150 line, which is your north line. Which is way north. Yeah. And then down towards Canaveral. And you got to stay yeah. in that block of water. And, uh, you know, uh, I think I went almost, uh, I still, I went really north one time last year. We, uh, yeah, we were really north and we didn't even come close to being. Yeah. Boundary. yeah we were we were way north and we were still 45 miles away from where we you know we're even thinking about being out of bounds so yeah yeah, we, yeah it's we, a, it, we didn't have any it, numbers up there we, we'd have went up there yeah yeah it's, it's a big piece of water yeah. but you know but you know he's he's actually that is you know the uh the largest wahoo tournament actually in the world right now and um great payouts great prizes and it's a it's a beautifully run tournament uh paul does a phenomenal job with it so it's really good we are actually fishing two boats we're fishing my boat that we're, we're starting with on wednesday and we're going to try to knock my boat out early uh even though i do have two charters that are two wahoo charters three wahoo charters over the next 30 days that i still got to try to get in and oh. fish our tournament days right mm -hmm. so um but the uh the the we're going to try to knock my days out early and then fish out uh, after, you know, after the end of February or somewhere towards the back end of February. We're gonna get on the uh, on the gay porn or the Cape Horn and uh, <laughs> go out. And, uh, sorry, sorry, the <laughs> Freudian slip. All right, so uh, <laughs> we're gonna get on the uh, Cape Horn and try to uh, fish fish the back end uh, all the way up till April. I can tell you this that you know uh, Tim's thirty six foot cunt tender. Um, it's a it, it's a it's a good boat. It uh, yeah, she she catches a lot of fish. Rob, your boat has a new name now. <laughs> oh no, it doesn't. Well, gentlemen, it's getting late, and I we could talk fishing all night. But I I want y'all to know that I truly appreciate y'all coming on. I I look up to each one of you a whole bunch, and I appreciate everything y'all have done for me. Thank you guys, uh, Wahoo Junkies. Find them anywhere to be found. Was it Facebook? Do you have YouTube yet? Uh, no, not really. Uh, we, we, we're, we're looking to hire, uh, actually we're, we're doing a, going a whole different direction here and we'll be hiring a social media manager, uh, looking to expand our footprint and get me out of, uh, and then maybe for our live streams and our, we'll turn into some podcasts and then we could have the naked bull on the, on the podcast. That would be cool. Uh, because Rob, 
Is, is he not a horseshoe? On my boat, he's a horseshoe. Okay. He is. Hey, he, don't, he, don't forget me in Mahi season. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He, well, no, we want you during Wahoo season because that's yeah, when we, 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 we want to make fun. Yeah, we, we definitely need you to, uh, to like throw, uh, uh, j- if you can't make it, just throw a shirt on the boat or something. That's right. There's sweating or something. I'll throw a bush light on there. That's just like me being Bush there. latte. That's right. Yeah. It's fancy. We could spray down with this cologne or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, guys, <laughs> it's been great. Thank you both so much. This is From the Woods yes, signing off. You guys have a great night. All right. Have a great night, guys. Talk to you later. Have a good one, buddy. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. Y'all stay with us. This train's going to keep on rolling. I promise you we're going to have some great episodes, some great guests. You're going to learn some stuff, and so are we. Thanks again.